powered by Adept Group. This is the Unpacking Excellence Podcast with Daniel Beardsworth. Daniel Beardsworth. Bringing together top packaging professionals to share insight and knowledge on all things packaging. Now, introducing your host, Daniel Beardsworth. Welcome to Adept Group's Unpacking Excellence Podcast. We've got a great group here today. I'm joined as co-host by my colleagues, Ravi Budhue, who's a senior packaging program manager with Adept, and MJ Werlein, our senior sustainable packaging manager. Our guest today is Francisca Troutman. She's the CEO of Glass Half Full New Orleans. How's everybody doing today? Good, how are you? Great. Uh, doing very well. And thank you, Fran, for joining us today. And uh, as we get started, can you just tell us a little bit about Glass Half Full and how you got started? Sure. So I have grown up in Louisiana my entire life. And sadly, we do not have an effective glass recycling program throughout the state. And so during my time in college, my co-founder and I started to think more deeply about this problem and decided to do something to combat that. And so in 2020, we founded Glass Half Full with the mission to recycle glass into sand and gravel that could be used in our community in New Orleans and throughout the state of Louisiana. So now Glass Half Full recycles around 150,000 pounds of glass per month into sand and gravel. We're using that for disaster relief, coastal restoration, and a whole bunch more. Yeah, I think uh, recycling challenges are a pretty universal concept in the US. Some, some places are you know, better than others when we're talking specifically about glass, but it was really interesting to learn more about the specific things that you're able to do to support challenges that are, are specific to New Orleans. Can you tell us a little bit more about sort of how, how you're, the sand and the gravel that you create is used in um, you know, projects there in your community? Yes. So when most people think about glass recycling, they think about turning the glass into new bottles, which is an incredible form of recycling. You know, it's a circular economy, turning it back into what it once was. Um, but sadly, here in the Gulf South, we don't have manufacturers nearby that can take what's called cullet, um, recycled glass, and turn it into new bottles. And so we quickly realized that that was not the solution we were looking for in terms of glass recycling. And so when we found machinery that could turn glass into sand, we knew that we could stop there. And that would be a solution because here in New Orleans, we use sand for so many different things. But the main things that we knew that sand was used for is disaster relief sandbags. So anytime it floods, um, a lot of homes and businesses use sandbags to protect their property against flooding. And then also sand for coastal restoration. So Louisiana loses a football field's worth of land to the coast, um, washes away into the Gulf of Mexico every 100 minutes. It's a really extreme problem, and we're using sand in order to build back a lot of our coastlines and a lot of our ecosystems. And so those were the two main things that we were like, okay, we can use sand for this. Obviously, it wasn't that easy. And so we did a lot of research with Tulane University and the National Science Foundation to ensure the safety and the feasibility of using recycled glass sand in the environment. Luckily, all of that research came back extremely positive. And so we've already done two coastal restoration projects with the sand, and we have a lot more planned for the coming year. You're you know, kind of talking about grinding glass you know, into sand there. Can you tell us sort of a little bit about the process you know, from kind of start to finish, how you collect the glass and 
um, how you process it and sort of the ways that you get it back out there for the uh, new uses? So we collect glass two different ways. One through our free drop-off program where anyone can bring us glass and we will recycle it for free. And the second is through our paid pickup programs. And we have paid pickup programs for residents as well as businesses. So we'll pick up directly from your door or we'll set up recycling for a bar, a restaurant, a hotel, anything like that. And then once the glass reaches our facility, it's put into what we call a glass mountain. And then from there, we'll pick it up with the front end loader and load it into our pulverizing machine, which essentially does all of the work for us. So it'll separate labels, caps, corks, any contamination from the glass. And then what we're left with after the pulverizing process is a mixture of sand and gravel. And then it goes into a sifter, which will separate those uh, grains by size. So anything ranging from a very fine powder-like sand up to a large gravel. And then each of those sizes are used for different applications. So for example, the very fine powder is used for sandbags for disaster relief because that's the most absorbent size. It can also be used for sandblasting. The next sizes up of the coarse sand is what we call it, is what's really good for coastal restoration projects. We have an extreme lack of coarse sand in the Gulf South region. Um, and coarse sand is much better for erosion control and not as easily washed away. And then the next size up is sort of a gravel size, which can be used for landscaping, flooring. Terrazzo flooring is a really popular application and a lot of artists like it and we can use it to also melt it and make new glass pieces. I know uh, Robbie was kind of interested in some of the things like, uh, you know, colors or other things that sort of present a challenge. Is there a lot of, do you have to like sort things before you grind them up or, or do you kind of sort them into different colors uh, another way? So we do not have to sort it. Occasionally we will sort it by choice. So for example, the blue glass makes blue sand, which is really aesthetically pleasing. It's really pretty. And so sometimes we will hand separate some of the blue glass in order to make blue sand. At our drop-off program, like I was explaining, our free drop-off program, we do have the recyclers who come to us separate their glass by color. But our pickup programs are all mixed um, because when you mix the glass, it just turns into like a brown kind of beige sand. Um, but we do have the drop-off customers separate so that if we, again, if we want to have that separated, clear glass to make white sand or green glass to make green sand, then we are able to do that, um, but it's not necessary. And, and to piggyback on your, on your question, Daniel, so I was just curious, is there any particular colors that are not good? I, I know that you, you commingle them generally, unless it's drop off, but is there any particular color that's not good? Or is there any specific coatings or aesthetic treatments that you do not like? I know your pulverizing process filterized, filters a lot of the contaminants, but is there something yeah. that doesn't work? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. So in terms of colors, every color generally works. And we've done materials characterization to confirm that because we, we do know that certain elements are used to make the colors. For example, you know, in blue glass, they use cobalt. But we've done material characterization to to see what are those levels of elements and are they a safe level for the environment and they are so we are able to accept any color glass 
And then in terms of certain other contaminants, there are certain glasses, for example, like window glass, like auto glass, which is coated with plastic. So that's something that we cannot accept because we are not able to remove that coating from the glass. Some other materials that we're looking into is, are things like ceramics. A lot of people think that ceramics are glass. <laughs> so we get a lot of mugs and things like that. And right now we just separate it from the process, but we're gonna go through that material characterization to see, okay, if we do accept ceramics, is that okay to, to integrate into our process or should we continue to keep it separate? Um, so there's a, those are things we're still kind of researching, but other than that, we accept all colors and all types of glass containers. And those, the ceramic like mugs and things that you get, do you have to manually separate them or do you have a, a semi-automatic way of processing it? <laughs> yeah, right now it it's, yeah, right now it's just manual separation. So we have a lot of points in our collection and processing system where we have people kind of manually observing what's going through the machine. So if it's at our drop-off, we always have volunteers and employees monitoring the drop-off. If it's a pickup customer, then the employee picking up the glass is able to monitor what they're, what they're picking up. And then again, when we dump the glass into the pile and then when we put it into the machine, there are touch points along the way to be able to monitor what's going in just to check for any extreme contaminants and also things that will jam up our machines like plastic bags. We once had this like ginormous metal container that completely jammed our machine for like a week. So things like that, we always try to monitor throughout the process. It's pretty impressive how much uh, manual uh, support that you, you put into this process. It shows how dedicated uh, you guys are. Thank you. Does your business have anything to do with what the two of you actually majored in at Tulane? <laughs> That's a great question. On paper, yes, I studied chemical engineering, but in reality, I had no idea how glass recycling worked. I didn't know the chemical composition of glass. So I'd say my engineering background definitely helped me along the way. But before starting Glass at Full, um, we didn't have any experience in recycling. We didn't have any sustainability education or anything like that. Max majored in international development, international relations. So neither of us had prior knowledge. We learned a lot along the way, but I do believe my connection to the chemical engineering department is what has allowed us to be so successful in our research with coastal restoration because I have you know, my previous professors and a lot of um, professors from that department now working on this project. That's, that's amazing. I, I just love that you've reached out and you've done this on your own and you've created this business. In what you know about now about recycling glass and environmental responsibility and everything, how do you have any kind of comparison of what you're doing as far as a life cycle perspective versus if glass were recycled into other glass, which is very energy intensive? Yeah, that's a great question. So this is actually something that we are starting to research now with life cycle analysis experts um, from Bard University in New York City from their sustainability program. 
so we're actually getting that research started. I believe like next week is the kickoff. Um, so we're really excited to start getting that information, that research, because you're right, turning that glass back into new glass is extremely energy intensive. We know that our process is not energy intensive. We've compared our electricity usage for our 40,000 square foot warehouse to my two bedroom home. Um, and it's on this exact same level, which is really interesting. But we also know that you know, a circular process of recycling does save energy. So I'm interested to see those results and be able to share those with folks. But that's a great question. Yeah, because it is amazing that people don't really understand how much energy, which is about 80% of just making glass, goes into glass, right? So it's not like a renewable resource when it comes to the fact that it just takes that much energy to make the glass. Right. Do you know um, offhand currently what are what's your subscription level for households and businesses? Yeah. So in terms of our residential program, we pick up throughout three parishes, so Orleans, Jefferson, and St. Bernard. And across those, we have about a thousand, a little over a thousand clients. And then for our business program, we're just now starting to kind of ramp that up just because before now we didn't have the capacity to accept more glass, but we're finally kind of getting a hold on that. So we have about a little over 30 business clients right now, but we have over 200 on our waiting list. So we're really excited to start ramping that up and get more businesses recycling because there's clearly a demand for it. And one thing that's always fascinated me about New Orleans in general is just, I have family there, the, the love for that city that people have is just, it's amazing. And the way people like yourself come together and do community things and strive really hard to, to make the community better. It's, it's amazing. It really is. I, I agree. I think we have a great spirit here. And I am not sure if we started in another city, if we would have seen the same success, because so much of our success has been tied to our community supporting us, either through money, through volunteering, through whatever expertise they had. Um, we've just had so much community support throughout this entire process that that's how we've really been able to grow so fast. I, I do want to ask you, since we're talking about uh, the community and, and things like that, and that you did mention that you, you had like a wait list for your subscription. What did you see that you needed to do from like a community or consumer education to get people on board to support this um, initiative? And then do you have anything that you felt like didn't work well that you can share with us so we as a watch out that we don't <laughs> make that same mistake too? Yeah, I think from the beginning, probably because we're, we're Gen Z, we use social media as a really important tool for us to not only tell our story and get our vision out there, but also educate consumers, like you were saying, on um, why is it important to recycle glass? How do you recycle glass? How do we recycle glass? Where does it go? Things like that. We've always leaned on social media. But I think to your second question, what didn't work, I think something we had to realize a little later on is that not everyone's on social media, obviously. So um Social media was a really important tool in the beginning. And then suddenly we realized, oh, we need to branch out. We need to get, you know, an email list. We need to email the people who prefer email over social media. 
And then also something that has been extremely, extremely powerful is our ability to connect with recyclers through our drop-off program and our pickup program. So that's when we really are able to get face-to-face time with our recyclers, with our, our customers. And that has been extremely valuable. You know, someone will come up to drop off and either, you know, maybe they don't know that we'll collect the caps or the corks from their glass and recycle that as well. And they get to learn that or a pickup customer doesn't know that they need to make sure their little crate closes. And we're just, we're able to have FaceTime with a lot of our recyclers, which has been extremely valuable in addition to social media. And I think that that's important for the elderly, more elderly community that's still there because not a lot of them are on social media. And if they are, it's not really like a TikTok Gen Z thing. Yeah, exactly. For instance, I would never have found you on LinkedIn had I not been on TikTok. Right. And so I think broadening out as much as possible, I, I tout you because you're very entrepreneurial and you've taken the spirit and you've, you've just done what you needed to do, not only for yourself and creating a business, but also for your community. And it's just so stand up. It's amazing. And I love it. And I just keep touting you to a whole bunch of people and saying, hey, look at her. Because, you know, it's just amazing what y'all are doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah, I think I, I, and to that point, I think word of mouth has also been extremely valuable to us. We've gone a lot of new, you know, customers and supporters just because, you know, their neighbor told them about us or their, their coworker or something like that. Word of mouth has also been extremely powerful. You just spoke in Europe. What was that about that you were speaking about? Yes, um, that was an incredible experience, something that I have not experienced before. Um, I went, I was sent to a conference by the generosity of Audi and the Audi Environmental Foundation supported me to go to the One Young World Conference in Manchester, England. It's a conference or summit that happens every year in different cities around the world with the goal of just bringing young people and connecting them and, and giving them a chance to speak and share their story. And so I was able to speak on Glass Half Full and our experience there. And really, you know, one of our goals is to, you know, like that saying goes, um, think globally, act locally. Um, So we're doing our work here in New Orleans, here in Louisiana, but our goal is really to be able to create a model that can be replicated in other coastal cities around the world that don't have glass recycling. And that may also benefit from recycled glass sand. And so it was incredible to be able to get that opportunity to speak to an extremely global audience um, and especially of young people who are also trying to make change in their community. So I I really enjoyed that. It was incredible. Talking about that kind of model for sort of, uh, you know, building something that that you can share or kind of export as ideas other people can use to create similar programs. Um, Is this something that's a little more specific to glass or are there people doing similar things with other materials? Yeah, I think of um, Precious Plastics, if y'all have heard of that program, which is sort of an open source model of machines and recycling plastic into new products. And they have been able to set up, you know, Precious Plastic locations all around the world by just 
putting this information out there and saying, hey, if you need to recycle glass, I mean, recycle plastic, sorry, in your community, this is how you can do it. And here are all the tools you might need, all the information, go for it kind of thing, which I think has been incredible. And I even met one of the people who set up Precious Plastic Fiji. So for Fiji, being able to set up something to recycle the plastic, and now they do like beach collections and collect the plastic and then turn it into new items. So I, in, you know, in my dream world, glass half full is like that, you know, there's glass half fulls all over the world. And here's the information and tools you need to set up a glass half full for your community, essentially. Yeah, I saw that on your website. And that that's awesome, that people will hopefully take the initiative and want to do that. I was bringing it back to recycling. So what have you what do you know and what have you learned about recycling in general? I mean, besides the dire collection rates with regards to the fact that so many different communities, we put with the best of intentions, all these materials into our recycle bin and not knowing whether or not they truly get recycled because it's up to your local recycler. So what have you learned about that or can share about that? Yeah, I've learned so much about recycling that I did not know before. One of the main ones being that every single city does it differently, which is so complicated when it comes to education and messaging, because some viral video goes around that's like, don't you dare put a pizza box in your recycling bin, but 30% of municipalities accept pizza boxes in their recycling, you know? don't use plastic bags to put your recyclables in, but in New York City, you have to put your recyclables in a bag, you know? So it's like, it's so hard to get the right messaging to the right people when every single city does it differently. And so I think that's obviously one way that the states in particular could do a much better job of, in terms of recycling, is being able to make something more uniform Obviously, that's really hard because we're a huge country, but I think that's one of the main issues is that, you know, the consumer, the resident at home blames the recycler, the recycler blames the resident because they didn't know, but they're getting so many different messages about what's right and what's wrong that it's, it's really hard to understand, which then makes it harder for the materials recovery facility to separate those recyclables if there's contamination. For example, in New Orleans, if you put glass in your recycling bin, they'll just throw the whole thing away because they don't accept glass. But if you go to, you know, a city in California, obviously you'll put glass in your recycling bin because they do recycle glass. So it's just, it's, it's hard on both ends, I think. It is. I've always said that there needs to be some sort of like federal legislation, something to at least make it a level playing field so that the same messaging is going out and bring our recycling system up to date so we're more along the lines of being, you know, like a leader in recycling. Yeah, so definitely. I think that would be super helpful. I agree. Fran, you've talked a little bit about that, uh, you know, kind of the inconsistency from city to city or, or region to region being one of the challenges for increasing the re- recycling of glass. But what are some of the other challenges that you're working on that um, you know people who are listening to might be able to help with or, or just kind of think more about? Yeah, when In terms of glass and municipal recycling, I think the biggest or the, the worst thing we ever did was commingle it. 
when glass goes into a commingled recycling system in general, it's really hard to separate it after that. In most municipal recovery facilities, separate glass last. So they take out everything else and then whatever's left is called glass. So if you were to ever Google like material recovery facility glass pile, like it just looks like a pile of garbage. And so when you're starting from that, obviously it's gonna be very hard to turn that into something usable or even back into new glass bottles. Like you're just starting from such a, a difficult point that I think it often dooms glass recycling for a lot of places. I mean, I have like Google alerts on to, to see anytime something related to glass recycling goes out. And I just, I see every single week, like, oh, this city stopped glass recycling. This city stopped glass recycling because it's often just a huge headache. And so for me, we, you know, obviously collect glass separately from the municipal recycling system. Do you work at all with the municipal then, system to say, hey, can you sort this out and send it our way? We do not. So we just collect glass separately on our own right now. Like I said, through our pickups and through our drop-off program. Like I said before, we're kind of like struggling with getting too much glass. So right now we're very satisfied with the glass that we're getting and how we're getting it. But I think in the future, that might be a method for us to increase how much glass we're able to get. Yeah, that's amazing. And so the the coastal restoration projects, are those government funded, government bought? Or who's buying the sand for those projects? Right now, all of our coastal restoration research and our coastal restoration projects are funded by the National Science Foundation. In partnership with Tulane University, we were awarded in 2021 $700,000 to complete some preliminary research and do two restoration projects. And we were just refunded for two more years um, to do more research, to expand that research to other states, other communities, and then also do more projects. So for the next two years, our projects will be funded by the National Science Foundation. But after that, we hope that we've established enough demand and enough research to prove the safety and the efficacy of the glass sand that um, hopefully then governmental entities will be able to purchase it for projects. That's the goal at least. That's great. That's great. And, and giving us this backstory also will help other entrepreneurs go, oh, that's how it's being done. Yeah. Um, from before we you know kind of wrap up here, just thinking about uh, ways that, that our, our listeners might want to get in touch with you or, or you know, see how they can work with you. What are the best ways to get in touch with Glass Half Full and, and you in particular? Yeah, my new motto is like, business happens in Instagram DMs. A lot of people have, <laughs> a lot of people have DMed me on Instagram and then it turned into you know, a really successful partnership. So social media is always an easy way to contact me. And then same with Glass Half Full, Glass Half Full NOLA. And then email can be hello at glasshatfullnola.org. And then I know your eco friend on, on TikTok, is that kind of your handle across the board if people want to just maybe just follow you to learn more about what you're doing or, or like we just talked about, get in touch? Yeah, eco friend on TikTok, Franziska on Instagram, and then Glass Half Full Nola on Instagram and TikTok as well. Well, uh, MJ and Ravi, if you don't have anything else, 
I think I just want to say thank you again for making time to talk to us today. Uh, thanks for the great work that you're doing. And I'll look forward to, uh, we'll all look forward to, you know, seeing how you continue to grow and expand Glass Half Full in the future. Thank y'all. And thank you so much for having me. This is a great conversation. Thank you for listening to Unpacking Excellence with Daniel Beardsworth. Daniel Beardsworth. For more resources on all things packaging, head to our website, adeptpackaging.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And thanks again for listening.